right. <laughs> All right. We're in Mark chapter 4, still looking at uh, the parable of the sower. Uh, it's uh, Jesus' first parable that he begins to teach, and he says it's the most important parable. And what we're going to see as we go through tonight, he's going to be comparing it to some words that Isaiah said. It's comparing the, those that are on the inside and those that are on the outside. Those that are on the inside are going to be those who recognize who Jesus is. They're going to be looking for God, recognizing God's plan. In a sense, they're searching, uh, responding positively towards Jesus. And then those on the outside who are going to be rejecting him, de- deflecting his teaching. And these are going to be those that are going to be growing and producing a fruit from the seed that was planted, which is the message the outside, those on the outside that have rejected it, they're going to begin to go further and further into confusion and not understanding. And so we'll read this, and then we'll look at the... We've read the parable, and last week we read the interpretation that Jesus explained, and now we've kind of got a bridge of material before and then some information after that kind of explains some things. So I'm reading here in the NIV, chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things in parables. And this was important. This was intentional. And we're going to find out these parables are actually to to divide. Those that have responded are going to begin to understand and grow. Those who have rejected are going to get confused and and walk away. So they're, they're like the parables very clearly in this chapter are like a sword. They're dividing. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Like an invitation. You're, you're all hearing. It's an, it, let, if you have ears to hear, you don't need to spiritualize that. Well, what does ears mean? It means if you have ears to hear, then hear the message. But the thing is, it's going to depend on your heart now. Some of you are responding positive. You're going to be able to process it. Others are like, no, you're hearing, but it's going to just fade away. And we'll make that clear later as we go through the rest of this. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him, again, notice again, there's the 12 apostles, but there's others that are in the inner group, the inside that have responded positively. They came to him uh, around him asked him about the parables. Now, notice right here, he's by the lake, and now he's with them alone. So he's publicly teaching. These are not necessarily a, a chronological in order. In fact, some of the parables coming up here, just like Papias says in church history, Mark recorded the things accurately that Peter taught, but not necessarily in the sequential order. So there's things put together in this chapter that he's organized correctly, but they're not all happening at the same time. He's, he's using a, a, a collection of information. Uh, but anyway, they, they'd gone off the sea, uh, you know, away from the sea. They're back in the house or wherever. He told them, uh, they asked, why are you teaching in parables? And he says very clearly, the secret of the kingdom of God 
has been given to you. You, you, the secret's been given to you, and that's the word mysterion. We'll talk about that. Uh, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that, and again, we'll look at that Greek word for so that, inna, which is a purpose clause, meaning it's, said to, it's given to them in parables so that this will happen to them. They may be, now he quotes Isaiah. So this is not the first time in history this has been done. The, the word of God comes so that this is the result. And uh, as we go through this, the result is actually going to be judgment. Um, it's so that judgment will come. Those on the outside are on the outside for a reason. They've decided. They've already made their choice. The parables are, uh, in a sense, it's, it's early in Jesus' ministry, but he's already dividing people. Again, be careful as I teach this, because it's not the soft, fuzzy, Sunday school, churchy type of teaching. Jesus is teaching them in parables, and the disciples go, why are you teaching in parables? And he says, so that... So that this is going to happen. Those on the outside, this is the result. So it's not to lead them. It's not because he's going to give them little baby steps at the start. Well, if they take a little bit at a time, go slowly, meet them where they're at. Now, there's a point that there's evangelism. There's a point to evangelism. But this is not, in a sense, evangelism. This is Jesus coming and dividing a group of people that has already made a decision. Even as they see him and they're hearing him, they're making a decision. And so he says, I'm teaching them in parables, and he quotes Isaiah. The same thing, we'll talk about this in more detail. So that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. In other words, he doesn't say, I'm teaching them in parables so that little baby steps, I'll meet them where they're at, and I'll gradually work them in. Now, there's a place for that, but that's not the context here. He's coming to this crowd. They've already made decisions on him or what they want him to be, and he's not. It's not that they've rejected Jesus. Some of them have come because they know what they want Jesus to be, and when he doesn't respond the way they want, it's like, well, that, that's not what we expected. Exactly, so I'm going to keep talking like this, so you're just going to go further and further away. You've rejected what I want to offer, Jesus would say, and you want me to go over here and do this, so you've rejected me, but you still think you want, so I'm going to give you this, and it's going to just drive you further. So hearing, well, let's read it again, Isaiah, and again, the important word is in that first uh, phrase, phrase in chapter 4, verse 12, so that, we'll look at the Greek in a moment. They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving. They're going to be staring right at it, but they will not perceive it. And ever hearing, but never understanding. It's not like, well, gradually they'll begin to understand. No, I'm saying it in parables, and they will never. This is a judgment. This is now a point of judgment. I'm going to speak in parables, and it's over. They'll never see it. They'll never understand it. They're just going to spin off and get you. So already in chapter 4 of Mark, Jesus is dividing the crowd, and these people are, just like we saw in chapter 3, they've, 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 they've misidentified the Spirit of God. They've rejected the Spirit of God, and they have committed what, we, what Mark, Mark 3 talks about, the unforgivable sin, the unpardonable sin. You've rejected the truth, and now you're just going to gradually go further and further away, just like Romans chapter 1. Then, then Jesus said to them, here's the interpretation, uh, and I'll read this. 
uh, and we'll come back and point some things out. <coughs> but as we read this interpretation, and we read through it in great detail last week, um, we're going to point all these things out again and give you more substance for what I've just claimed. Uh, the, the parable is talking about the message. It's, it's the word. It's kind of Christ-centered. It comes to the soil. Now watch the shift, and we talked, we mentioned as we went into it last week. This is about the message, the word, kind of Christ-centered or Christology. Now all of a sudden, it's going to be about discipleship. It's going to be about growth. It's going to be, you're actually going to see here, the seed was the word or the message in the parable. Now the seed is going to be the people which is i mean it, you can see this shift right there and some uh, people in the in the textual critics say ah we've got a, a fallout here we've got a, a later insertion into the scriptures they this is what jesus said and someone else came back and interpreted and they they mistakenly uh re-identified it but jesus is talking about the message the word but now the interpretation is when that word comes to the person it's going to cause discipleship growth uh, it's going to be the people is now the seed. And we're going to see four references to the word hearing. And I'll point this out in great detail in, in a little bit. The first three hearings, the word using of they're going to hear, is going to be in the aorist tense, which means it's just very, I'll give you greater detail, just passive. It's like it's on the surface. It doesn't stick around. They hear and they move on. It's like, you know, like you might listen to a commercial, like you might listen to you know, someone talk about, you know, just you're just, you know, burning time up. You don't really count. It doesn't affect you. You hear it. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. And you, you don't, don't disagree with it, but you don't internalize it. It's the aorist tense. It's, it's a point and it's gone. The third, three of the, the first three are that. And they're going to be the path where, the, where Satan steals it. They're going to be, the word is choked. And then it's going to be the deceitfulness of wealth. It's going to, uh, or excuse me, scorched and then choked. The word is going to be destroyed. And all three of those passive here, not passive, in the aorist tense, it is, it's gone. The fourth hearing, the fourth time the word hearing is used, is going to be in the present tense, which means it's something they're going to, it's going to stick around. They're going to think about it. Present tense it means it's now. You heard it, but you're still thinking about it. You heard it, and now you're applying it to your life. You heard it, and now it's affecting the way you, your worldview forms, falls into place. It's, it's the first three are aorist, point in time, and gone, in one ear and out the other. The fourth one, it's in the present tense, and this fourth one, they're going to hear it, they're, they're going to receive it, and they're going to produce fruit. And so you'll hear the th four here references to hearing in this interpretation, and they go... Aorist, 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 present tense. The first three, aorist, gone, 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 nothing. Now, just apply that again to uh, church, to Christians, to people who hear the word of God, who, who you know, talk about God. It's like, it, it goes right past, leaves no impact. And they have no, well, let's read this. Here it is. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? We'll come back and explain a little more detail and get some meat out of that. The farmer sows the word. Some people like the seed. Some people are like the seed along the path. 
See, right there's a switch. The farmer sows the seed, the word. Okay, earlier it was the word, the message, more Christology. Now it's on discipleship. Now it says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path. Well, you know, they're the ones that are receiving it. Where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, aorist, Satan comes and takes, it aw- takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places, hear, aorist, the word, and at once receive it with joy. Oh, I heard, yeah, that's good news. I, I like that. Yes, I, don't want, I, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want to be in the church. They hear it, but it, it doesn't have a lasting impact. It's like just glances off of them. Now, again, we're not necessarily in, in real time talking about, you know, you hear it and you instantly forget about it. It may be, a, a, you know, a few weeks. It may be a phase of life, but it's not something you're going to internalize. It's going to be something you're going to put on your calendar. You're going to go to the Bible study. You're going to go to the church event. You're going to go, and eventually it's just like it, it's not making any impact. It's just gone. Others like seed sown along the rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, if that word had been internalized when trouble or persecution came, it would have stood up against it. It would have been like the house built on a rock because the word was not internalized. It was just on the surface, but the trouble and persecution is internalized and it's gone. Uh, still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear, third time, the word, aorist. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, basically worldliness, and we can talk more about that, especially in the book of James, things of the world are overwhelming that surface understanding of the, the word, that just the aorist understanding. Uh, for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. You, you, you can't keep breathing. You can't keep inhaling it, and you, you stop breathing the word. It chokes out and goes away, and now you're left with the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the lust for other things. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, here the word is here, the word here, is in the present tense, a completely different tense. It stays. They hear. They meditate on it. It's there, part of them. It continues to be there. It was here, and now it's still here. And now, as time goes on, it's they're they're producing fruit. It's still here. They're here, here. <laughs> I got too many uh, synonyms going there. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word. Notice three things: accept it and produce a crop thirty-sixth and even a hundred times what was sown. They hear it, and this word has a miraculous result in their lives. Now, uh, going on through these next uh, three parables, or we got the lamp, and then the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed. We're gonna, this all ties together. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Now, I want you to think... Now, again, this, is, this can be used for evangelism. If you've got a little light, you should shine it in the world, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, that whole concept. But this is talking about the message. His point is, God. you'll take a, a uh, lamp, like here we've got a lamp, uh, similar from New Testament times right here. You've got a, a, a lamp. They would put it on a stand. That's what men would do. Holmes would put that on the lamp. They'd not hide it under a, a bu- bush or hide it somewhere under a table. 
They'll put it out where people can see it. Well, that's the illustration, but the concept is God is a light. Jesus is the light. There is truth, and God is not going to hide the truth. He's going to, uh, uh, creation, going back to general revelation, creation declares the glory of God. I mean, you can't, now, see, see, now watch, you can't ignore the fact that there is a God. There is a created order. There is there is a, a system, there is thought, there is intelligence, there is design, there is a creator. Now, if you're on the, uh, those on the, the surface, those on the outside, uh, you're going to explain it away so you don't have to deal with it. That's Romans chapter 1. But those who respond positively towards God, it's clear. And God is, is, even in general revelation, making himself very obvious. The same thing with Christ and the plan of salvation, the word of God, the revelation he's giving to us that's going to help us grow. He's not going to hide it. It's not going to be hidden. He's going to make it known. His, his idea is to take his thoughts and make them your thoughts. He wants you to re- have your mind renewed. So just like you have a light, you're not going to set it you know, in a closet somewhere. You're going to set it out so everyone can see it. And that's what this is talking about. This is talking about God's intention. He's got the truth. He's got the light. He's not going to keep it hidden. Now, many will not see it. But just because they don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So you've got to draw a line right here and realize there are people in our culture that are on the outside. They've, they've walked away from God. They've rejected God. They don't want anything. And now don't let them explain God because they don't even believe in God. They've re- even if they, sometimes they're even in churches, they've rejected the word of God. They've rejected the revelation of Jesus Christ. They've reduced it to some kind of a social club or some kind of a social justice activist group. Uh, and James talks about, we've been talking about that on Sunday morning, social activism. It's not social activism, but social justice, which is very important according to the prophets and James. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we get into it. But you can get away from the truth, and you're just over here in this darkness, and you cannot let people in that group identify God because God, well, here, God is making it obvious. Here it is. Chapter 4, verse 21. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? Meaning he said, don't you take your light and put it on a stand in your homes? You don't light a candle. Or Again, they didn't have candles. They don't light a, an oil lamp and hide it somewhere. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Now, this hidden is that word mis- mystery, mysterion in the Greek. The idea there is something that is unknown that god has always held to be true always knows to be true always has but he's going to reveal it the mysteries of the kingdom are going to be revealed to those on the inside he's going to you're going to continue those on the outside will never understand it and yet sometimes those on the outside are the ones teaching the classes you go to the universities you go to the seminaries those that have rejected the truth are the ones explaining to you it's like you don't even understand, you don't even have the, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. The mystery of the kingdom has not even been revealed to you because God has blinded your eyes and now you're in a place of leadership trying to explain it and you're not. You're just causing more darkness. But the point here being, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is a mystery, God is planning on making that re- known to you. He's planning on revealing it. 
whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Once again, God has a, a volume of information, a volume of mysteries that you can't, he can't just dump them on you. Just like math class, you can't just go to elementary school and start trigonometry. You're going to have to start and learn the multiplication tables. You're going to have to learn the process of division. You're going to work your way through algebra. Now I'm about out of steam right now on my mathematical illustrations. And it's like, and eventually you'll get to a place where, ah, you can put things together. Well, the kingdom of God is the same way. You've got to enter in by faith, but there's a whole realm of information that when you internalize it, it's a seed that's going to produce 30, 60, and 100-fold you are going to produce that kind of light, that kind of, of, of I guess, uh, kingdom righteousness in your life. Uh, just like the seed that was sown, it's going to grow in you, the soil, and it's going to produce this miraculous manifestation of God's kingdom out of your own life. And, and everyone will do the same. And that comes through the understanding. Verse 24, consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now again, people take these out of context, makes all kinds of applications, and there are, you know, everything, everything, all the evil people have done, it will eventually be revealed. Okay, yes, that's true. That's not the context. Or, consider careful what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, I've heard pastors, you know, you give a little bit of money, God's going to resp- re- give you a little bit of money. If you're going to give a big donation to the church building program, God will give you an abundant overflow. Okay, that, 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 that's a conversation, but that's not the context. He said, consider carefully what you hear. If you're listening to the truth, the revelation, uh, he says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. If you're hearing and you're understanding, it's like God, in the picture in my mind, and this is not inspired by the Scripture, even by the Spirit of God, but the way I'm understanding this, is God is God a light, and He's putting it on a stand. He wants you to see it. And so if you begin to respond to this light, He's like, oh, here's more, and here's even more than you can handle. He's like, He wants you to grow in this understanding. So He's pointing out, it's like, so you can see people twisting it. So he wants us to, you know, have lots of stuff. He wants us to have lots of money. He wants us to, it's like he's talking, the context is hearing the message and understanding it and receiving more light, more insight so that you can grow and produce more. 30, 60, even 100 fold. You might be producing 30 fold, but you're going to continue to grow. God wants to pour out, even more poured out on you. That's the understanding. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. We're talking about understanding the kingdom mysteries. Now we can flip over to another one of the gospels where it talks about uh, judging. As you judge, it will also be judged to you. The measure you use to judge other people, that will be the same standard of judgment God used. That's another set of verses. This is talking about understanding the revelation. We continue in the next parable. Again, on that same line of thinking. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. 
A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And so there it is, the same idea of sowing the seed. There's a, so they're going to sow the seed and just the process of time. We are in uh, a process of salvation. You can say it began in the Garden of Eden with the promise of the seed of the woman, going to crush the serpent's head. It goes all the way through. You've got the, the promise to Abraham. You've got the promise to David. you got all the way through. You've got the coming of the Messiah. He's crucified, resurrected, ascends to heaven. The church begins. All this is a, we're head, there is a definite end coming. There is an end coming where God is going to bring to an end this phase of time and we will enter into the kingdom age, the glory age. The old will pass away and the new will have come. Now, when he's talking here about this growing, this is a process. This is what the kingdom of God is like. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like a man scatters seed on the ground. uh, The seed so far has been the message or the word. Uh, The ground is is you. The seed is you. It's it's the people. It's receiving it. A night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts, grows, though he does not know how. Meaning when you have this, if it's God who's doing the sowing and doesn't know how, or if it's you, probably more likely, receiving the seed, and you're hearing the word of God, it's changing the way you think. You're getting a divine perspective of the world. It begins to grow, and you begin to produce. And then as soon as the harvest is done, there's going to be the harvest, or the crop is done, the harvest will be taken in. So that's talking about the growth of the word. And then the parable of the mustard seed. Uh, both of these, as, as Jesus has been teaching uh, this parable, uh, teaching about the light, teaching about the message, talking about production. This, this first one, we'll just say the lamp. Lamp, the idealist, God's not going to hide it. He's, gonna, he's going out of his way to reveal it. So if you're seeing, if you're understanding, if you're seeking, you're going to find. If you're knocking, he's going to open the door. You're, he wants you to understand. Now, this is still in context of understanding the mysteries of the kingdom. It's not in, talking about your prayer life and getting what you want when you pray. It's talking about you understanding. That's the first thing. God's not hiding. The second one here, we're talking about the, uh, the, the growing uh, of the seed. It's, there's going to be a period of growth. There's going to be growth. There's going to be time. It's going to be a process. It's going to grow. The next one is going to be small and then a great harvest. And this is, again, something that, uh, well, I'll read it, but something that we can uh, be encouraged by because if God is revealing it and there is growth taking place, he's talking about 30, 60, and 100-fold, and there's going to be a harvest at the end. Sometimes you can see progress. Sometimes you feel progress. You recognize progress in your spiritual growth. But there is this idea that the harvest has not come yet. We are not finished. The, God began the good work in us, and he is going to finish it. That Paul tells the Philippians, he, the, he who began a good work is going to finish the work in our lives. And here this one now says this. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What, what is it like? 
Or what parable shall we use to describe it? You know, it's almost like he's thinking, what, what can I say to capture the ideal of the kingdom of God? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of the garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. So you've got the small seed. He says, and I'm just... He said, I'm just giving you this, this information. I'm just giving you this truth. I'm just shining this light into your heart. It's, it's a little light. It's, it's, it's a little truth. But when that takes root and that begins to grow, it's going to open up doors to other truth and other understanding. And so pretty soon, what you began off as simply, we could say, simply as recognizing Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And you look back in our own lives, uh, when we came to faith in Christ, I mean, what did we understand? Well, we understood that uh, we were sinners. We understood that there was judgment, that we would be held accountable for our fallen selves. We didn't understand if it was individual sins. We didn't understand about original sin. We couldn't give you a whole death. We just knew that we were bad. Judgment was coming. We're in trouble. And Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins. Do you accept that? It's like, Yes, I, I, I believe that. I will accept that. Okay. And so at that point, you knew all of the Bible. You understood all the prophets and all of eschatology. And ask me a question. It's like, now, if you're like me, that's what you thought. It's like, I've got this. I just got saved. I am now fully ready to start a Bible study. <laughs> and I probably did. But <laughs> as we've gone through that little seed has begun to fill out. It's begun to open up other doors and understandings. And it all just, it's like, I'm teaching class tonight, going through this, like, oh, so I'm a Bible teacher. The thing is, we're still growing, and it's just still building. So it starts off small, and it's just going to keep on growing. This light, the lamp is not hidden. There's going to be a period of growth. It starts off small. Pretty soon, it's, it's, it's like a tree. It's, it's, the birds of the air, it's not just a little seed. The birds are landing in it, building nests in it. It's so big. It's like, how did that happen? Well, just persistence. And that, that is, my gosh, this is why uh, Bible study is important. I mean, if it's your personal Bible study or having some kind of a study, some kind of a church, this is why churches, it's like they, they need to, on Sunday mornings, teach the Word of God. They need to gradually it's like, well, they're going to have a, you know, bring in a big guest speaker, and they're going to have one big show and going to answer all the questions. It's like, well, okay, maybe you're going to jumpstart something, but the way growth is going to take place is day after day, week after week. If it's Sunday morning after Sunday morning, it's just going to keep coming, and sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't, but just it's going to just keep growing and growing. And if you quit, if you lose interest, it's going to start to fade away because there's the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the persecution, uh, the inner pressure. you got outside pressure, inner pressure. It's going to choke the word, and all of a sudden you're worried about all these other things, and what you had has been lost. So this whole thing can just be pointing towards the fact that God is shining the light. It's going to take time. You're going to start small, but it's going to continue to grow. And then we're not talking about uh, being great in the world or being great in some kind of measurement. We're talking about the, 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 the truth in your life uh, of being proactive. I mean, you can, you can think now, 
uh, and you, you've, we've all gone through changes in the way we viewed different political questions or social issues or just ethical questions. And, and the more you understand the Bible, it's like, oh, I've got an understanding on what God would think of that or what God, go back 30, 40 years, and it's like, basically, my opinions was what I thought God believed. But as you continue to read the Bible, you realize, oh, my opinion, well, the Bible says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. Come, let's reconcile together. Let me, let me tell you what to think. Let me tell you the way reality is. And that's where you've got to begin. I mean, probably the most important message after getting saved and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is to be told, now understand, you don't understand anything. You, you, everything you've learned so far has been taught to you by the world from the angle of the world, talking in the idea that, you know, everyone's the same, you know, everyone's got this goodness in them, a little sparkle of life, and it's like, where you get out of the Bible, it's like, oh no, we have all fallen. We are all in rebellion towards God. We don't just need saved. We need our, our minds renewed and brought in line with the view of what the kingdom of God is presenting. And so there's, this is a great chapter, and let's go back and now we just read through it. Well, let me finish this right here. Verse 33, with similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He's shining, he, he is the light, bright, bright shining light, but it's like, okay, I've lost you. And so as much as he could, he began to explain to them. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his the own disciples, he explained everything again there's those on the outside yet you see that even at the end in the in public he's speaking in parables those that have will be given more those that have rejected him this is just like they're getting sent off into judgment and then the next uh, verse 35 that day when evening came he said to his disciples let us go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind they took him along just they as he was in the boat and we'll pick that up then uh, sometime next week so let's go to the notes please and on your notes i've got just this is eight pages of notes this is just five six seven and eight starting in chapter uh, four verses 10 through 12 and this is one of those that interlude between the parable and the interpretation and it says and when he was alone those around him with the 12 asked him uh, about the parables and he said to them to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of god but for those outside everything is in parables this is where i wrote that original thing inside outside and you can see uh in the greek right there the the transliter you got the greek the transliteration you've got the the translation and then below you've got the part of speech uh but the the first words there translated out of the greek and he was saying to them and in the two squares, it's the first square, to you, then he says something, and then the second square I've got there, to those. So, and those are the beginning of the statement. Those are in the emphatic position. To you, da-da-da-da-da, to those. So this right here is Jesus himself in the emphatic. What, what is this verse about? What is this sentence, this statement about? He was saying to them, to you, this is emphatic. This is, the mo this is the first group. And to those, there's a clear contrast. Those on the inside, those on the outside. 
This has already been identified in Mark, in Mark 2 and 3. Those on the outside would be the religious leaders uh, who are calling him uh, Satan or working with Beelzebub. Uh, and, and again, don't be too critical here, but his family, uh, they didn't understand it. They, they did not understand who he was. They were still seeing him as a man who had a large crowd following him and wasn't really doing what they expected him to do. And you could say others here that were on the outside. Now, we know from this group, some of them are going to become believers, particularly, especially after going through James on Sunday. James was over here at this time. His brother James and Jude were probably in this group. Not probably, they were in this group. They're eventually going to come to faith in, in him right here. So there is deliverance from this, uh, as you know. Uh, but that's emphatic. And here's another interesting point, just to point out. In the square, in emphatic, it says, to you, uh, the mystery. And you see right there the word mystery. It's the word mysterion. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But in the circle has been given, the mysteries of the kingdom has been given. And that is passive. There's even, you can see that I've got a line drawn there, the, the, the definition of the word, identifying the word. That is the divine passive, meaning they did not achieve this, they did not intellectually understand. It's not like they're the smart people. They got A's in school, not the C's and D's. It was they were given. They were given, passively were given the insight of this mystery. To you, it has been given, the mysteries of the kingdom. You didn't earn it. You didn't accomplish it. It was given. Now, this is, a, this is tension right here because... This, if you wanted to go with, you know, election, they were chosen, they were not. Uh, and, and you can run that route if you want to. What I'm going to say right here is these people are going to be, they're, they're positive, they're seeking, they're looking. Now be careful, I'm, I'm, I'm adding this to it, trying to get a little theology to support how this is all working. But clearly, to you, it was passively given. And he's, he's got the, the disciples gathered around. And, and he says, you understand this. They go, we were understanding. He goes, that insight was given to you. Remember, is it what, chapter 15 or 16? Or is it chapter 8? I forget. Right in the middle. It's chapter 8, right in the middle. Caesarea Philippi at, in, in Mark, where Jesus goes up and says, who do men say that I am? And they're going to say, well, some say the prophet, some say this guy, whatever. He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, that was not given to you by men, but by God. God revealed that to you. And so Peter, at some point, was, you know, now you could go just with Peter just like fishing when they all of a sudden, boom, whoa. You know, it just you had no choice. Or Peter's response to creation and, you know, John's message. You know, remember, Peter was running with John the Baptist before he met Jesus, and they're talking about the Messiah, and he's like looking, trying to process. Maybe he's looking for a political leader, maybe he's looking, but he's looking for God's person. He's looking for God's next step. He's looking for the, the plan of God, the works of God. And, and then all of a sudden he sees Jesus, he follows Jesus, didn't understand the. Boy, Peter's going to, right after he says that, you know, in, in what is it, Mark 8, uh, he says, uh, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is going to say, well, we're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified. Peter argued with him. No, 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 that's not the plan. And so he knew who he was, but he thought he was going this direction. So you can see right there, Peter's got this much information. He's, he's ahead of many people. He understands who Jesus is, the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus says, and so I'm going to go be crucified. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. I know who you are. You're going this way. Well, Peter needed a little more a little more understanding. And the same way with us. We understand, and we think we know where God's going to go, but a little more understanding would give you a clue. You know, he, he was never going to go this way. And, of course, that's disappointing me many times in my life where I follow God. It's like I'm following God, and I'm standing at the door waiting for the door to open. And parabolically, metaphorically, the door doesn't It's like, what the heck? God let me down. It's like, turn around. Oh, it was a completely different because I was at a, in my personal life, a level of understanding. Anyway, to you, to those, and here it is, the passive, uh, which I think, well, this plus, they've had to be looking, looking towards the light. Here, they were looking for something else, and when they saw it, they're going away from it, and uh, it was not given to them. And so it says right there, uh, and uh, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those on the outside, everything is in parables. And I will, we'll look at that again. Uh, going down that list right there, uh, point one, two groups, point two. Interestingly, Matthew 13 and Luke 8, parallel verses in the Gospels, they don't use the word uh, has been given. They use the phrase uh, uh, know, you know. So again, Mark is, Mark is not trying to soften it up. He's just like, it, it, he's saying has been given, where Matthew and Luke will say, uh, you know, you know this. It doesn't kind of tell you where it came from. So a little different insight there. Um, there's the word mystery, point three, mysterion, means something formally secret that God has now revealed. I think this is a direct connection to that lamp, the, the lamp setting on a stand. That's the mystery. You do not know it, but God is setting it there on a stand. He wants you to know it, but you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to process through it. It's going to be a, a, a sequence of events. Uh, it's a, something that was formerly secret that God has now revealed to his people. Paul uses this word multiple times, and Mark, Matthew, and Luke use it right here in these, this context. Uh, point four, those on the outside are those that do not recognize who Jesus really is, uh, religious leaders, family, etc., because they are on the outside, because those on the outside do not recognize God and God's will in the man, Jesus Christ. Because they are on the outside, they are not given, they do not know, and they cannot see the mystery. So there is a mystery. It's secret that only God can reveal. It's a lamp standing on a, a lamp on a stand. But amazingly, they can't see the lamp on the stand because it's not been given them. Even though God is projecting it, look at look at creation again. However, you come down on creation, uh, the natural world. It is. It says the creation declares the glory of God. Well, if creation is declaring the glory of God, it should be obvious to everybody that there is a God and He is glorious. He is, look at the universe He created, and, and He created it. He created the time that is within the universe. He is outside of this universe. He's greater than this great universe. He's outside of it, overlooking it. He created time. He's outside time. My gosh, how magnificent is God? Okay. Yes, to those that are on the inside, those on the outside, stare right at it and go, well, it just kinda, I tell you what, this is just a fluke. It's just chaos that's just come together. And it's like, you're kidding me. You're looking in the face of God, calling it chaos. 
uh-huh well there there's your world that's the world you live in the from the 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 education through the media through the churches there are those that are looking at the face the glory of god in creation saying chaos just billions of years of just chaos just freaky accident after accident and here we are it's like and that's their description of god if that's their description of god i don't i don't want to hear you explain god to me in fact i question your sanity and you're not going to tell us how to live life and you can't see god now that's where we start talking about a culture going insane as a culture not just individuals but a culture and, and you're living in a culture that is insane and it's manifesting more and more each day you're getting further and further in darkness and it's becoming more and more insane and from that position of insanity you're going to start solving problems and it's going to get weirder and more it's like this is crazy if you're on this side and you got to watch that because we're we're in that in that arena where that's that's our leaders our media our 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 schools our churches sometimes okay uh they do not they do not see this point five mark uses right here then isaiah's struggle struggle with unbelieving israel in 720 to 680 taking speaking to those those who are on the outside mark uses uh isaiah a verse from let's just say 720 to 680 that's a rough number 700 is a safe bet we know isaiah and hezekiah were active in 701 when the assyrians came in so isaiah's ministry is generally right there and it's longer and shorter if you want to do it but isaiah is speaking to the israelites of that time and they have got a hard heart they have they are under judgment now when i say under judgment god has pronounced the judgment it, it it's not it's not an evangelical isaiah does not have an evangelical ministry in this case he's got a well here it is uh mark is going to use uh isaiah 6 verses 9 through 10 uh i write this just because it was interesting because if you start examining the isaiah text you've got the masoretic text which was what was copied for hundreds of years and we've got our first masoretic manuscript i can't off the top of my head 900 a.d or something like that but when it was compared to the dead sea scrolls that were written before the time of christ it matches virtually perfect so they preserve the masoretic text for a thousand years the jews did copying it exactly right that's where we talk about writing the letters and counting the letters and if the letters weren't correctly the numbered right they'd throw it away and, and write it again then you've got the septuagint this lxx the 70 which is the greek translation of the old testament scriptures that was used by paul it was in alexandria egypt it was throughout the middle east so that's the greek translation you've got the masoretic text that was copied from the days of before the old the new testament you've got the greek septuagint which is the greek translation of the hebrew scriptures both of them were in existence and in circulation and in use by people in israel and then you've got the aramaic targum which is the aramaic which is a, a form of hebrew that came back out of babylon captivity they brought it back and they've got that translation and jesus is going to most likely be speaking aramaic to the crowds jesus knows greek 
uh, because it was the language of the, you know, the, the business world. And he lives in you know, Nazareth, Capernaum, and there's Romans and Greeks around. And then uh, he would have been familiar with Hebrew because that's what the rituals were all done in. So this little translation that Mark uses is the closest to the Aramaic. Now, are we talking about him taking it out of the Aramaic Targum and putting in the text? Or is this exactly what Jesus said? Is this a direct quote? So Jesus would be quoting the Old Testament in Aramaic. Nonetheless, that's just interesting information. But quoting Isaiah, it says, So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. That is what Isaiah said. And what God was telling Isaiah is you're going to go to a people with hard hearts, they've closed their ears, and you're going to preach to them. And when they, when they hear it, uh, they're not going to respond. And the reason they're not going to respond is because they've, they've closed their ears and they've rejected God, and there's this scale. And again, I, I, I could spend some time developing this. You don't have to accept this. Uh, it gets into theology a little bit. But you have the example always used is Pharaoh. I always spell Pharaoh wrong. Is that, is that how you spell Pharaoh? The, the, they get these turned around, right? A-O, is that Pharaoh? Is that right? Do you, see, uh, here, watch this. Pharaoh, there. <laughs> there. There. Okay, Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Uh, and if you go back to Exodus, i got the verses written down there. We've talked about it before. Moses appears to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh then, it says very clearly in, in the text, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And if another time, Moses comes and has a sign, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. So Pharaoh's going to say no. He's going to say no. And then about halfway through the plagues, it then says very clearly, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And now it's God. And now, in other words, there's a place where Pharaoh apparently could have responded, but he says no. He says no. Well, God's not done with him. It's like, Pharaoh, you, we, we're going to finish this. You could have been on the, well, I use the example of Cyrus. Cyrus, God came to Cyrus and had, you know, it was prophesied in Isaiah. Daniel was there, and Cyrus responded in some fashion, at least in his letters written to the Jews, he says, the Lord told me to. And he helped build the temple, rebuild the temple. He provided him with uh, finances, supplies, sent the Jews back. So Cyrus could have been Pharaoh where he said, no, no, no. But Cyrus still would have ended up building the temple and sending the people back, but he would have been destroyed, hypothetically. Pharaoh could have said, yes, yes, and says, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's send the people off on the call that God's gave them. It's like the people are going, they're leaving Egypt the exodus is going to happen but pharaoh said no 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 and god's going to continue the plagues and now he pharaoh's at this point has no choice his heart he hardened his heart and now god hardened his heart and he's going to see sign after sign after sign including the red sea and pharaoh is never going to be able to turn around now because he's hardened his heart and that is the process so that's where i go with this idea that people have a chance to respond to God, and if they respond to God, the light gets brighter, more revelation comes, the mysteries continue to be revealed until they've got a, a full harvest. 
Where if you say no, 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 eventually God's not going to say, well, <laughs> you've screwed up my plan. It's like, no, 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 I will still use you, but now you can't change. You've crossed the line. You've committed, in a sense, that unpardonable sin, and you're going to be used for this, this purpose here. And that is what is being said right here. Uh, look in top, top of page 6, there's your Greek, and there's that word I-N-A, Oriota Nu Alpha. Uh, it, it's so that. In other words, Isaiah, just like Isaiah said, so that. Seeing, in other words, Jesus is saying, I am teaching in parables so that. And it is a purpose clause. Jesus is teaching in parables to blind the eyes and deafen the ears of the outsiders. You said, you, you've, 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 you came to trick me, you came to trap me, you tried to accuse me. Now you're calling my works satanic? Okay. Now, because of this, I'm going to teach you in parables so that you cannot turn around. I mean, it's like, well, that's not very Christ-like. They've made a decision, and basically what Jesus is doing is announcing to this crowd, he's announcing judgment. And I've got this written down right here. Uh, so that is a purpose clause. Jesus is teaching in parables to blind the eyes and deafen the ears of the outsiders because it says, so that they may, be, may indeed see but not perceive, they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven, meaning I'm going to make sure you can't turn around because if you turn around, I would forgive you. But you're not going to get a turnaround because I'm not going to forgive you. I've judged you. Now that sounds harsh. Point one underneath there on page six, God will use their rejection to accomplish his purpose. There's the examples of Pharaoh and the scribes. Point two, these words are a judicial pronouncement. Let me say that again. These words that Jesus is speaking about parables, he's declaring a judicial pronouncement on these people. I'm going to teach them in parables so they will have to reject me. They will not see, they will not, they cannot, because I'm done with them. So it's not like he's not trying to evangelize them. Evangelism is going to take place, especially when he gets out to the Gentiles. But these Jews that have had plenty of time, they've already crossed the line in in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus is saying, we're done here. I'm going to teach them in parables. They cannot see, they cannot understand. Uh, so these words are a judicial pronouncement and not evangelical in tone. Their fate is sealed. Their judgment has already been decreed. This is the soil of the path where the seeds were sown and eaten. In other words, that, that's them right here. You, you can't. I'm going to, and interestingly, he's going to put seeds on them. And this would, this would help explain that parable. Why is a farmer or a sower sowing seeds on the, on the pavement or on the there's not a chance they're going to grow i know i'm just doing that for judgment there there it is and you can't even see it satan came and took them away it's like and there's they're hopeless um mark 4 13 through 20 and he said to them now this is also interesting after saying that verse quoting isaiah saying so they cannot hear and he said to them do you not understand this parable now he's talking to his disciples Talking to the outsiders, he says, it's over. You're not going to see or understand anything. Now he looks at his disciples and says, do you? And he's interestingly, well, I'm going to read this to you and explain it. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? 
all parables are connected to this right here. Do you understand this? And the point is, if they say no, that would be an indication they're in the other group. So it's almost like rhetorical. Do you not understand this parable? And it's like, well, yes, you do. Because if you don't understand this parable, all these other parables I'm going to tell you, you won't understand them either. You'll be just like that group that I've shut their ears. He, he's telling them, I've shut their ears. I've closed their eyes. I'm going to teach them in parables, and they're never going to understand it because they will never be able to turn, and they'll never be forgiven. They're going to judgment. Now, do you understand these? Because if you don't understand this, you'll never understand any of the parables. And the point is, yes, you do understand it because you're not those guys, and you will understand these parables because you're going to produce a harvest. And so that is what he's saying. Are, are, do you want not understand this parable? Paraphrase it. Point one, this is me paraphrasing it. So you do not have to accept this. Point one. If you are a believer, positive towards God, you will understand this parable and continue to advance in understanding through all the other parables. If you do not understand this parable, you are on the outside and will never understand this or any of the other parables. So in other words, he talked to those on the outside first. I've closed their ears. Then he turns and says, these guys, do you understand? And it's like, well, yes, you do, because you're going to understand this and all the other parables. Point two, it says, A, a person must be receptive of Jesus, the word, the plan of God, the work of God to advance. If a person rejects God, rejects God's plan, Jesus, then they are sealing their fate. They will decline further into darkness and confusion. Point three, note the shift. I pointed this out earlier. Um, the, uh, and again, I already said this. I maybe don't want to interrupt this and do this again. But you're going to have the parable that Jesus parable, however you spell parable, and he's going to talk about the seed, the message, which is kind of centered on Christ, and then you're going to have the interpretation that he's about to come to, and that's going to be focused on uh, the person, the people, the dis- the, not just disciple, but discipleship of, of growth. And that's what you're saying right there, point three. Uh, the seed and the parable, which is the word, the message, becomes the hearers in the interpretation the parable is focused on christ and the message but the interpretation is revealing discipleship one the meaning is jesus this parable is about jesus the interpretation is about the disciples response to jesus jesus is a sense that you understand this you'll be able to become a disciple and that's kind of the way, way that switches uh and here's i point this out right here point four i already talked about the hearing and that's the aorist tense and the present tense. I've already explained that. And then the interpretation of the parables, here it comes again. Uh, and this is all we went through, all of this, the, the, the things that caused the trials, the persecution, a lot of good stuff there. And then on the back of the page, we've reviewed those quickly. I'm going to give you more detail on that next week. Uh, but there's three things. You've got three parables left following this, and we already read through them. The lamp under the basket. You're going to put it out there for God's revelation is for everyone to see. The parable of the growing seed, it's going to, you're going to plant it, and it's going to, through a process of time, it's going to grow and grow. You may not know how, but the word of God, the revelation, the mystery that you understand that God revealed to you is going to begin to change your life. And then the parable of the mustard seed, it's going to start off small. You may not feel, you may, you may come to Bible study, and, and, and it's like, well, did I waste my time? Now, again, I think you could w- waste your time in Bible study, uh, depending on how 
informative the Bible study is, how in tune it is with the Word of God. But it, it's going to start off small, and the, especially they're, they're in the hills, the, the, the hills of Galilee, listening to Jesus, and nothing's really happened. They've got miracles and stuff, but I mean, they're not conquering the Romans. There's no angels coming in glory. It's just, he's just teaching, and you can kind of feel like, is this thing ever going to get started? And that's kind of some of the problems was some of the people were looking for, you know, some kind of revolt against Rome. They're looking for the Messiah. Let's, the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. It's like, where? He's just, John the Baptist did the same thing. Baptized Jesus, and Jesus went up and started teaching the people and having crowds. And John actually sends, are, are you the one? Or should we expect another? It's like the zealots wanted some action. John the Baptist, I, I mean, I thought the kingdom was coming. I mean, I'm here in prison and I'm going to be getting executed here if you don't, like, bring the kingdom. And the message for John, John, blessed are those who are not offended by me. What's that mean? It means I'm not going to do what you think. I'm not coming for you. You're not getting out of prison. You're going to die, John. But it's going to start small, but it's going to grow. And we can all relate to that at some point in our lives. It's like, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be faithful to God, and things are going to change and and it's monday morning and it just it's and then it's just like it's just like now you're you know you're 50 years old you're 60 years old it's like what it's like hey it's it's happening you hear the word and it grows you don't know how but it starts off small but pretty soon it's going to be maybe not in this lifetime but it's going somewhere someday we will see christ face to face john writes in first john when he appears we shall see him as he is and it's like we can't, we, Paul says, we, we look through a, a, a mirror, like dimly into a mirror. We, it's like we can't see clearly. It's like we know we should see something, but it's like you can't see it here. Soon we will see face to face. Soon you will understand this. And it's like that's where you want to be faithful. You want to embrace this and understand these parables. It, it's, it's, it's happening. Our lives are maturing. We're growing. And even, we may not see it on this side of history. We may see growth. We may see maturity in our lives. We may see spiritual fruit. Hopefully we should see spiritual fruit. But the, the full understanding of the kingdom is going to be on the other side of history. And Jesus is telling you, just, just let that seed grow. And so that's kind of where it ends up right there. And uh, we'll pick this up and read into those next verses next week. I appreciate your time. I'll pray and we'll be done. Father, we thank you for the chance to look into this word. We thank you for giving us a chance to see, to hear, and understand these things. And we do ask that your spirit would lead us and guide us and especially work in our hearts that we would not be arrogant or that we would be stubborn or we would be rebellious, but would be receiving your word and allowing it to transform our lives, that our thoughts would become your thoughts, that our ways would become your ways, that we'd walk in line and in harmony with the spirit of God and the creator of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time. Any questions?